one way I feel. Uh, to be back in the pocket, I haven't preached in two Sundays, um, but I know Bonzo's done a phenomenal job, right? <laughs> phenomenal job. Okay, great, great. <sighs> a little worried there. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, man, it's a joy. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that, that I strongly believe. Uh, we have gifted people here, gifted teachers, and so I, I never want to be the, the, the only person that you hear from. Um, we communicate, we teach, we share the same word of God. Uh, and the beauty of having different people is that it just it comes at you in just a, a diverse way, and just beautiful flavors that God has for us. And so I'm glad you got to hear from from Bonza. Um, I'm not going to ask you if you're excited to hear from me. Um, I'll take it. I'll take anything you guys give me. Um, so we normally do a kind of a question of the day, uh, but, but I've decided this morning not, not to do that, uh, but rather to say something to you uh, that I think is unbelievably important and significant for where we are as a country. Um, I know that many of you would know uh, that this past week has been uh, a very intense week uh, in this country. Um, some have said that it's uh, many similarities to what happened in the 70s, uh, but I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to uh, talk about, you know, who was right and who was wrong. I, that's not my place. Uh, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about administration or leadership or, or what needs to go up and or what needs to be free. Uh, that's, that's, not, that's not what I want to talk about right now. Um, I'm happy to engage over that kind of stuff, but, uh, but something happened this past week that made me realize that, um, you know, God has given us something. He's given us the greatest news uh, that has hit the face of this earth. He's given us the gospel, and that gospel has implications. If the gospel has truly taken your heart and has transformed it, that, then that same gospel compels us to engage. It compels us uh, to look out to a broken world, to look out to a broken city, and to engage. And, uh, and I was just thinking to myself, how do we then do that? H how do we engage uh, in such brokenness? This past week, asking many uh, pastors, many churches, just saying, guys, what, what do we do? Because silence and inaction is not an option. Silence and inaction is, is not an option. Uh, we, we have something amazing, and, and we, we've got to, we've got to share it through word and deed. And, uh, and so... I was just thinking, man, I know that something like this will happen again. I know, just because we live in a broken world. It may not be exactly the same, but something like this will, will come again. And, and I, I don't want us to be unprepared. I want us to be able to engage. And so I'm thinking and, and I'm inviting those who want to think with me. Uh, just hit me up by email or WhatsApp and just say, hey, I want to be a part of that process uh, that thinks how can we as Rooted Fellowship how can we engage? From as little as I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm going, man, how can we, I'm reaching out to, to Toki who, uh, and Aura who were, were there. Where's Aura? You guys were there. Um, and I was just saying, man, what's the need? What's the need on the ground? And, and something simple like, oh, no, refreshments. That's something simple that we can do to say, listen, we, we're engaging here. We're, we're not uh, sitting somewhere absent from the realities of what's happening. Um, right up to, man, can we, can we start a fund? that goes to provide scholarships, man. And again, we're small, but we can still do something. All right, and so I'm going to be thinking through a couple things, and I invite you to come and, and be a part of that process if you want to. If this is something that you think you could be passionate about, uh, come and chat to me and, um, and let us not be unprepared. Like, And I really believe the church was unprepared. I really do believe it. Um, many people did phenomenal things, and they really engaged, but not enough. Not enough to the point where people would look and go, hey, something is different about this group of people. And what's different about us is that we are compelled by the beauty of the gospel. All right. So anyway, that's my two cents. Um, so it's an invitation. What you do with it is entirely up to you. We are in a series, within a series, and I'm sure many of you are tired of hearing that, uh, called Beautiful by Design. Uh, we're in the book of Ephesians, but we've uh, gone to a point where uh, Paul talks about marriage, and I thought, listen, let's pause for a moment. Let's not assume too much. Uh, marriage is an important thing, and uh, we have with us a brand new, well, it's not brand new, but fairly brand new married couple. Uh, congrats, guys. Congrats, congrats. Uh, marriage is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, 
And, but I didn't, wanna, I didn't want us to assume a whole lot. I wanted us to pause for a moment and, and peel back the layers of, well, well, why do we believe what we believe? How did we get to, to where we are on marriage and, 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 and what we say marriage is? And so I figured, well, let's, let's go right to the beginning where God creates everything. And let's unpack that and see what he has in store for us. And it's been a phenomenal series uh, for me. I know it's, it's just been unbelievable. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, just studying God's word. And I've been blown away by what God has for us. And, and, and how I've missed so much in just reading the creation story, the creation narrative. Uh, so much depth is there. And I, and I just missed it. And so it's been really, really amazing to, to do so. I'm not 100%. Is there, is there, am I the only person? Is there feedback? A little bit. You guys are good. Okay, cool. I guess it's just me. Um, so this morning, I, we're going to challenge or we're going to talk about something uh, that I think the church doesn't talk too much about. All right. And I know you're sitting there thinking, is he talking about sex today? No. <laughs> That's next week. Next week. Um, I want to talk about singleness. Uh, I think it's something that, that the church doesn't do a really good job at engaging with singleness. This idea of being single. Um, because culture, and I know things are changing, but, but, but culture uh, elevates marriage and talks about marriage all the time. To the point where I feel like uh, culture has had a, a huge impact on the church, and so we do it. And marriage is good and it's important. The Bible talks about it. We're going to talk about marriage in a couple of weeks. It's part of the series. But I feel like we do it to the point where we alienate those who are single. I mean, every, every illustration, and I'm guilty of it, and so I'm just confessing to you guys, uh, every illustration will be somehow always kind of linked to marriage. There's a story about marriage or, or my particular marriage life, my, my wife and I'll use that as an illustration. A- and sometimes we can get to the point where single people feel like, man, is there space for me here? Space for me here in the church. There's always seminars on marriage, statistics on marriage. And so it feels like, well, if I'm single, then maybe I'm a second-tier citizen. That maybe I'm not significant. But the Bible says the complete opposite about that. The Bible says something completely opposite about that. In fact, your singleness, your singleness does not make you insignificant. You've, you've got to hear that. And, and it's going to be the foundation of where we're going. Your singleness. If you're single here, you are not insignificant. And so I'm going to, I, w- I want to read the passage that Nyla read uh, to you this morning. Paul writes this, a- and he's talking about singleness. And then we're just going to unpack it. We're going to unpack it. And we're going to go back to the creation narrative. And I'm going to show you through there that no, 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 no. Your, your singleness is important. Your singleness is unbelievably important. And so if you have your Bible or your app or, or if you want to just read it up uh, here on the screen, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 to 8. Hear these words of our Father. Paul writes, now as a confession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. Um, Thank you for the series. It's just been phenomenal uh, to many uh, in this room. hearing feedback, and we ask that you would continue uh, to, to make yourself real to us. Uh, would you do so this morning? We are in desperate need of a Savior. Um, this past week has revealed it to us that our nation is in desperate need of a Savior. Um, and so as we look to your word uh, this morning, may our hearts be open. Uh, may your spirit lead. Uh, would you uh, move me out the way? Would you move any distractions out the way uh, so that we might hear from you clearly? We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' beautiful, beautiful name, amen. 
I have a lot of friends who, who kind of hate that passage. Um, they just, they hate those verses. They think to themselves, like, why would Paul write that? Why would Paul write that? Like, I don't want to be single, right? And, and it's, it's part of our culture. Our culture is like that. Like I said in the beginning, it's, we, we elevate marriage. We talk about it so much. It's, it's in the movies. It's in the songs. In fact, it's, it's like if you're single, you're considered maybe damaged goods, that something is wrong. So why would Paul say this? Why would he, he give advice and say, listen, I, 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 I prefer that you were single. I prefer you were single. He, he says in verse 7, I wish. So in the Greek, this is actually a very, very strong word. Uh, not like I wish, you know, I wish upon a star, but it's like, no, 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 no. I strongly desire, I strongly prefer. He, he uses strong language to talk about singleness. Why? Why in a culture where we, we elevate marriage, where, where to some degree you haven't lived life until you're married? It's like the pinnacle, the pinnacle of life is marriage. Why say this? See, Paul, Paul wants to make a point. He wants to make the point that you are whole and significant and that you don't need marriage to affirm that. You are whole and significant and you don't need marriage to affirm that. You don't need a spouse, you don't need a partner to affirm your wholeness and your significance. Look, we'll be talking about marriage in a couple of weeks, and, and so I don't want to talk too much about it, but it's hard not to, to mention a few things. See, the problem is that uh, people look to marriage to find their significance. Uh, that's part of the reason, I believe, that there's, there's so many issues with marriage, is, is that people are latching on to someone else and, and saying, you complete me. Right, from the great movie, what's it? Here we go. You complete me. That's, that's, that's what we've done. We, we look to someone else and we say, listen, I, I, I need you to make me whole. That's why I'm getting married. And the reality is, is that's not how we were created. And so it won't work. And then on top of that, the amount of pressure that you're putting on that other person, the expectations, they cannot carry, they cannot fulfill them. And so you end up crushing your spouse, your partner. They weren't created to make you whole. I believe that's part of the, the issues, the issues of marriage that we face today. And so single people, I want to say this right at the beginning. If you, if you walk into a relationship, if you walk into marriage, believing that that person is going to make you whole, that that person is going to give you significance, you're starting your relationship on a horrible note. You're starting your relationship on a horrible note. Marriage is not, is not half a heart and another half of a heart coming together to make a complete heart. That's not what marriage is. I've seen the Valentine cards not what it is but that's how we've made it out to be society and i'm sad to say the church as well that's how we've come to understand marriage and so single people just feel like man I, i'm not whole i'm not complete i'm insignificant i need to get married for those reasons but that's that's not what paul is saying here when he uh affirms singleness. That's not the angle that he's coming from. In fact, Paul, the very chapter, Paul writes about marriage. He, he writes about marriage in, in these other letters. Marriage is unbelievably important. And we'll see that in a couple of weeks. But Paul understood that we don't need a partner. You don't need a spouse. You don't need someone to be whole and significant. A and the reason I believe Paul knew that is because of what he read in Genesis and what we've read in Genesis in this series. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. 
For so God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female. Not half a man and half a woman so that when they come together, then they're complete. No, no, no. Male and female. Paul understood that individuals within themselves as God's masterpiece were whole and significant, lacking nothing as unique image bearers of God. That's what Paul saw in Genesis. Male and female, that they, that they were whole, that they were significant as individuals. And so if you've been listening to our series, if you've been following with us, in Genesis, I hope that you're sitting there and going, I hear what you're saying, but, I hear what you're saying, but, I, I, I probably have two objections to that, two objections, and I've heard the objections, and I'll give them to you, the one is, if that's the case, if, if God created us individually, and in our individualism that we are whole and complete and significant, then then why would, why would Genesis talk about the, the, the two becoming one? Right? Surely that should be an objection. Surely it should be a question that we raise. Why does God say the two shall become one? Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh. How are we to understand that and at the same time, understand that, no, 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 in your singleness, you are significant. Well, here's, here's how. We have to understand that these passages were, were written and they have a, an intended meaning. We have to read them in the context of God's creation narrative. See, these passages are describing two wholes. Two wholes coming together to complement one another not to complete one another. See, we spoke about complementary pairs. That there can be no day without night. That there can be no land without sea. They, they complement one another. And so when, when we read the two becoming one, it's two wholes complementing one another, not completing one another. I know we write beautiful poems And I might be guilty of ha having said that in my vows. <laughs> I'd have to look at the tape again. We don't complete one another. We complement one another. And so here we, we, we apply what I call kingdom mathematics. That one plus one equals one. That's kingdom mathematics. And that's something that only God, only God can do. And that's why he writes it. It's because he, he's the only one that can do it. It's not half plus half equals one. No, you are whole. You are significant as you are, how God has created you. So that throws that objective out the water. But then there's another one where, where people go, okay, hold on, if, if that's the case, if, if Paul wants to advocate for singleness, then why do we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where it says, And the Lord said it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Right? If, if, if marriage is not the pinnacle of life, then, then why, why would God say that, that it's not good for man to be alone? why like we have to answer this question and again i would say we have to understand that passage that verse in the broader scope of god's creation i want us to notice a few things and i'm sure bonza preached on this last week talking about the, the beauty of women right he unpacked this verse but i want us to notice something here it's not adam who says gosh i, I i'm alone and i i need someone I'm empty, I, 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 I really desperately need someone. It's not him who does that. He, he's, he's whole and complete and significant, enjoying this beautiful relationship that he has with God. 
But rather, it's God who then looks at that and says, you know what? It's not complete. Because he looks at himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he says, you know what? We've, we've created man in our own image. And we want him to have uh, all our attributes. But he's like, but, but it, that can't happen. That can't happen unless we, we create someone who will complement Adam. So that community can exist. When God said it's not good for man to be alone, he's not talking about marriage. He's talking about community. See, God exists in community. God is radically relational. The Trinity, the three existing in one. There we go with beautiful kingdom mathematics. God is in community. And so when he created us, he created us to be in community. And so when he says it's not good for man to be alone, He's saying, no, 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 no. I, I want a community. You need to be in a community. You need to, to, to love and to, to share life with someone else. God created humanity to be in fellowship, to be in relationship. And that was the first community. The man and the woman, the first community. We were created to be socially connected. But isolation and independence is not the divine norm but rather community is. Community is. A and so that unpacks the objection of, no, hold on, if God's saying it's not good for man, to, no, no, God's talking about community there. And it's not good for you to be alone. Don't isolate yourself. Come into community. That's what we were created for. And if that's the case, if that's the case, then we should understand marriage as a subset of community. It falls within the importance and the beauty of community. It doesn't sit outside as something, no, 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 only a few people get to do. No, it's a subset of community. And there are many other ways to display community. Marriage is not the only one. But we in the church have elevated it. We've elevated it to the point where it becomes the only thing. It becomes the only thing. Guys, I, we need to stop asking single people when they're going to get married. We need, we need to kill that. Because when we do, when we, the whole time, when someone feels like, oh, when people come again, and they're going to ask me, when am I going to find someone? When am I going to take life seriously? When am I going <laughs> to... We, we elevate marriage to the place that it, it should not be. Married people, married people, we need to start including single people in our daily rhythms of life. And, and I'm guilty of it as well. My wife and I were chatting about this as I was prepping this during the week. It's, it's interesting how... Once you get married, then you just start hanging out with married people. That's who you're inviting over for supper. <laughs> and so the singles get, get left outside of this elite club that we've created. <laughs> married people, we need, we, need to, we need to bring the singles into the community. Because remember, we were created for community. We need to bring them in. We need to stop creating this elite club that you join once you get married. Now, now that I've put a ring on it, I'm in. <laughs> it's not the case. And here's a big one. My, my wife was big on this. We need to stop trying to set people up. We need to stop trying to set people up. And, and part of the reason that we do, part of the reason that we do is because now that we're in this elite club, we feel like, no, everybody needs to be a part of it. <laughs> and so I feel like, oh, I can't hang out with my single friends anymore because they're not part of the club and they're not. So I'm going to try to set you up so that you can get married, so that you can be a part of our team. We, we've believed the lie 
we believe, married people, we have believed the lie. But the pinnacle of community is marriage. Well, no, 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 bring it to its proper place. Marriage is just a subset of community. And if you're married here, I want to say this to you, that if you cling to your spouse to the point that you choose to function in community, you too have believed the lie. Then your spouse becomes everything. That you can't engage with the rest of community because it's, no, 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 but my, this is very important to me. I've, I've got to hang out. I've, I've got to make time. I've, and I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm not saying that. I believe in marriage. Otherwise, I wouldn't be married. And I believe you need to invest time and energy into your marriage. But at the same time, not to the point, you shouldn't do that to the point where, where you isolate the rest of the community. But then people are like, well, uh, if, 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 oh, you can't because who is your spouse away for the weekend? Oh, so that means you can't. Like, where do we get that from? Why would you be unable to come and be a part of the community because your spouse is not there? When you begin to live like that, it's because you've believed the lie. I hope I'm making the point here that being single does not make you incomplete. It does not make you insignificant. It cannot. Because you were made in the image of God. As an individual, you are made in the image of God. But we come together to display that in community. But Paul in Corinthians takes this matter of singleness further. Uh, by saying singleness actually has tremendous benefits and is highly useful as a gift from God for His glory and for His service. He takes it further. So not only does He, does he kill the lie that, that you're not complete until you get married. No, no, no. He says, no, you are unbelievably significant. You're whole because you're an image bearer of God. But then He takes it further and He says, no, no, no. But in your singleness, there's tremendous benefit. If you've crossed the line of faith, if you believe Jesus as, as your personal Lord and Savior, there's tremendous benefit in your singleness. Because that gift, that gift of singleness, and we'll get to that now, you can use that for the glory of God and to further His kingdom. I mean, if we jump in to verse 28 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul fleshes this out. He says, uh, but if you... If you do marry, you have not sinned. He's talking to the single people again. That means you've betrothed. If you're a betrothed woman, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I will spare you that. Paul's just keeping it real here. Because there's troubles. There's troubles in marriage. Married people, there's there's trouble in marriage. And, and it's weird because I know, and I don't want to be the gloom and the dark cloud, you know, putting newlyweds. <laughs> I don't want to be that. Because I know in the beginning everything is beautiful and wonderful. And, and that's when you make statements like, you complete me. Like you wake, you wake up in the morning and you're just like, you complete me. Um, but, but what Paul is saying here, he's just keeping it real. He's saying, but it's, challenging. It gets challenging when you live that close to someone. When you're sharing your life with, that, with someone, you become vulnerable. And he says, and it gets tough. There's worldly troubles. Challenges. I'll, I'll just read it. I was going to try and explain it, but I was like, Paul puts it so beautifully. In verse 32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. 
I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to, prop, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. What he's saying here is that married men, you want to serve the Lord and you should serve the Lord, but at the same time, because you're married, you're called to love and serve your wife. And so you, you've got to be concerned with what's happening at home. You have to be. He's not talking about the, the, the worldly things as bad things. These are good things. And you have to be concerned about them. The same for the married woman. You've got to love and serve God, but you've got to be concerned about your husband. You've got to love him. You've got to care for him. You've got to be there for him. These are good things. Things that God has given us. But if you're unmarried, you don't have to be concerned about them. You just don't. You can be fully committed and devoted to God. I'll give you a, a clear example. Um, people always ask me, like, you know, so how's marriage? Is it great? Is it exciting? Is it? And I say, I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. But one of the things that I've noticed about marriage is I can't do what I used to do when I was single. I just don't have the time. When I was single, I could hang out with as many guys as I wanted to and just, and just kick it, building relationships with them because I want to share Jesus with them. I could do that like whenever I wanted to. But now it's like, well, I can't, I can't do that. If I'm going to love my wife, if I'm going to love my family well, I need to make sure that I'm there. And so because my wife is amazingly generous, she'll be like, well, I'm going to give you three nights a week where you don't have to be at home. You can just hang out with guys, build relationships. I only have three nights a week where I used to have every night. <laughs> I hope it's not coming across as if like, oh, marriage thing. No, I love my wife. I love marriage. I'm just keeping it real because Paul is keeping it real. He's saying, guys, you have more time as a single person to do more for the kingdom. It's a tremendous benefit. It's a tremendous benefit. The kingdom needs single people. The church needs single people. You are not insignificant. We desperately need single people. We just have more, more time and more resources and more energy. But that's if you are truly devoted to God. Because I know you could be sitting here going, but I actually don't have more time. I actually don't have more energy. I actually don't have more resources. No, you actually do. When you get married, you'll realize, you'll be like, yeah, I actually did. Your singleness is unbelievably important to serving and loving those around you and to glorifying God and in the furthering of his kingdom. So we have to understand that everything that Paul is saying is in the context of one sentence. So everything that I've said is in, is in the context, is held together by one sentence. We see this in verse 7, where he says, but each has his own gift from God one of one kind and one of another. But even though Paul is preferring singleness, even though Paul is advocating for singleness, Paul understands that it's a calling. It's a calling. It's a gift that is given, be it for a season or be it for a lifetime. It's a calling that God bestows upon you. It's not something that, that, that the church makes a decision on or people around you make a decision on. It's something that comes from the Lord. And I know even as I say this, many, if you are single here this morning, you're sitting and probably going, well, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But I'm lonely. I'm lonely. 
and that's, and that's true. I, I, I don't want to stand up here and, and just kind of be like, oh, it's not important. No, it's a reality. Loneliness is a, an emotion. It's an emotion that many of us feel. And it's so it's hard when you see people getting married to think, man, I, I want to I be with someone else. I'm tired of being lonely. But I want to say to you, that you're not lonely. You're not lonely. Loneliness is an emotion, but, but the truth is that God is with you. When God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he means it. Time and time again, God makes promises, and he says, I am with you. At the end of that promise, he always says, I am with you. You are never lonely. And we as married people should, should be able to come around you and, and give you this beautiful truth. We should love you in such a way that you, you just know it. You know, I am loved by God. I am loved by God because of how the community loves me. You are not lonely. And I, I know it's there. Janie Ortlin writes in her book, Fearlessly Feminine. Right? Great book. She writes, being single is not some sort of punishment. You mustn't think that if you were more spiritual or somehow more satisfied with God alone, then God would bring you a husband or a wife. You are single because this is God's call for you today. His plan for you is good, and he will never betray you. He will never betray you. Don't believe the lie that Eve believed in the garden that God was holding back from her. God's not holding back from you. He wants to give you himself. And that's what you need. Does this mean that it's wrong to desire marriage? No. Does this mean that you should stop praying for a spouse? No. Marriage is a great desire. And we should pray for it. But we should pray to God. We should pray to God that He would make us whole. That He would give us the, the significance that we need. See, the beautiful thing about prayer is that it acknowledges that you are not in control. That's what it does. I know a lot could be said about it and, and you know, if you just pray for this, yeah, when you pray, you are acknowledging that you are not in control. And what's sad is that I have to go through so much. Yeah, I'm talking about myself here. I, I go through so much. I try so many different things, my own strength, my own ability, my own intellect. And then I get to the point where I realize I'm not in control. And then only then I pray. We should pray from the beginning because we, we know that we are not in control. And so regarding this particular marriage, this, this matter of, of marriage and singleness and, and, and feeling like I'm not significant, I'm not complete, I'm not whole, we should pray. But the beautiful thing about prayer is that not only does it acknowledge that I'm not in control, but it acknowledges the one who is in control, the one I'm praying to, the one who I'm seeking help from. And so we should stop obsessing if you're single, stop obsessing with pictures and, and stories and, and little circles that single people get into. And it's like, oh, I can't wait to get married. And maybe that's him. And, and when you show up to church and you say, hmm, that's an amazing girl over there. How can I strategically place myself there? Question of the day. Yes, question of the day. Great. I'm going to sit there. And I'm going to ask you the question. And we obsess. We need to stop obsessing and we need to pray to the one who can make us whole, who can complete us, who can give us significance. Elizabeth Elliot writes, having now spent, and if you don't know Elizabeth Elliot, you should. Guys and girls, she's an amazing woman. She writes, having now spent more than 41 years being single, I have learned that it is indeed a gift. Not one I would choose, not one many women or men would choose. But we do not choose gifts. 
remember? We don't choose the gifts that we get because we are given them by a divine giver who knows the end from the beginning and wants above all else to give us the gift of himself. If you want to desire a gift, desire God. That's the greatest gift that you can get. Not singleness, not marriage, not, now they have their place, but desire God. Why is all this important? If you believe the lie that you cannot be whole or significant without someone, you will hurt yourself deeply. You will hurt yourself deeply. You will enter into a relationship that you shouldn't be in one. And, and if you do, then uh, you end up getting into it and uh, believing the lie that that person is going to make me whole, that person is going to give me significance. You are going to crush that person. They cannot carry that weight. Only God can. God has so much for you. And you don't need a man or a woman to tell you that you're significant. You don't need a man or a woman to make you whole. But rather you need to trust in Jesus. You need to trust in Jesus. He fixed his eyes on the cross. He lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve. He did all of that so that we might return to the beautiful truth that we find in Genesis. That you are whole. That you are significant. And that you are complete. That's what the cross communicates. That in Jesus we are restored to who we were in the garden. And who we were meant to be. True image bearers. When we trust in Jesus, he restores us. You are significant. I'm not just saying that to the single people. Because I know married people need to hear that as well. You are significant. And you are significant because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you. We need to stop believing the lie. So the, the, the simple question that many of us are, are left with and have to answer is what are we running to believing that that will make us whole? And a single person and a married person can answer this question. What are you running to? See, for, for some of us who are married, we're, we're running to our spouses believing that they will make us whole. You are crushing your partner. And single people, I've seen it time and time again, time and time again, where you no longer believe the gospel, where you no longer believe that Jesus is enough for you, and you run to someone else, and it just, it just doesn't work, because that's not part of God's beautiful design. What are you running to to find your significance? What are you running to? believing that it'll make you whole. My hope, my hope, and I believe Paul's hope, and that's why he writes this, is that it would be God. That this morning you would pause for a moment and go, God, I need you to make me whole. I need you to give me the value that you've bestowed upon me. I need to believe that again. Trust in Jesus. And so, Father, I, I, I come to you and, and I know sometimes it's, it's not as easy as um, maybe as it sounds. Um, how often we feel lonely. Uh, that even in this generation, uh, the most connected generation, we've, what's been said about us is that we're the most lonely generation. 
And so the temptation is to, to run to all these other things, whether it's money or sex or fame or ambition or the arms of someone else, hoping that they will lead us. Father, I pray that, that we would see you for who you are, that only in you do we find our significance. Image bearers of the Most High. We love you and we praise you. And would you embed in our hearts a desperate need for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, would you stand with us as we respond in song to the gospel song that we've just heard? And um, just fixing our eyes on Jesus and declaring that nothing but the blood of Jesus can make us whole. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can restore us to a right relationship with God the Father. So let's uh, sing that as we think through um, the sermon. Amen. One of the things that we do here is we close with a benediction, um, close with a good word, uh, and um, I feel like it's significant here uh, to, to take arms. We do this every Sunday, but it's significant here to take arms to go. It's it's we're in community, we're not because I'm married or because I'm single or because of this or because of that. No, we're in community because we love Jesus, um, and that Jesus makes us whole and complete and significant um, and this is a truth that we need to believe when we walk out of these doors because culture and society says the complete opposite it'll have you running to something else to find your meaning to life when rather you should run to jesus and so i'm just going to pray for us um, as we close father we thank you uh, that we are a community uh, that we 
love one another and conserve one another. And all of this is because of Jesus, what you've done on the cross. Uh, you've brought us together from different backgrounds and realities and cultures and, and all sorts. That we stand together as one community, uh, one family, uh, that we were made to be in fellowship. So send us out with the truth. Uh, remind us every day as we're bombarded with all sorts of things that say otherwise. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' beautiful, beautiful name. And all of God's children said, have a fantastic week, guys. i